Gratitude That's my everyday Have you ever looked up at the stars and just wondered what it all means? Asking yourself, how do we get here? And where are we going? When I look out in the world, I see so many people getting lost in their stories, rarely thinking about or asking the bigger, unanswerable questions of the universe. Like, what's the purpose of life? How did we come to be? And what happens when we die? Well, this is pretty much all I think about. And so I decided to start asking others as well. Welcome to Quantum Coffee. The little things we do sometimes have the biggest impact. And if something I do for someone, not with the purpose of getting recognition, but just like, hey, I see you need this. Let me do that for you or you know, anything. I really feel like even the little insignificant things that we can do for each other, for complete strangers, for whoever, I think that kind of pushes us all along to a better place. And I think that that's, personally, that's my goal. And I feel like that's a, it's a good purpose to have. Like, we're all on this shit show together. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Quantum Coffee, everyone. I have a really cool guest, really cool story. She's actually a, a fan. I don't know if you call her a fan. She's a follower. She started following me on Instagram when I hit the road a couple of years ago. And, you know, the story goes, I, I got an email, a random email, which, which happens on occasion. You know, some people... Uh, reach out and just, you know, share either how I inspired them or share a little bit about their journey. And I love when that happens. I love hearing from people. It really inspires me. Um, but for some reason, this email, uh, this, this, this lady, Hillary, reached out to me and I felt called to have her on my podcast. She wrote me a beautiful email and I'm going to go ahead and read that to you guys. Okay, here's Hillary and what she said to me that inspired me to get her on my podcast. Dude, I've never been a football fan, ever. But somehow I came across your IG about a year ago. Now the podcast. Great stuff. The IG post you just put up compelled me to write for some reason. I'm in a hotel room in Cheyenne, Wyoming with my two daughters, aged eight and nine. A giant dog named Mr. Waffles and a hamster. Yep, a hamster named Nibbles. We are currently in the process of moving from Indiana to Bend, Oregon, where I lived as a ski bum life pre-marriage and kids. In the last six months, I started trusting my intuition and paying attention to signs the universe seemed to be sending me. It was uncanny. I pretty much blew up my whole life, but it, in the best way possible. Got out of a shitty marriage, realized my job as a high-achieving ICU nurse was just a stressful distraction from my true self. So now I'm going in with the flow and trusting there is a grand plan, even though I don't know exactly what that looks like. I had a similar Christian upbringing, almost evangelical, that never really jived with me. So I really enjoyed listening to your podcast, discussing the big questions that one doesn't really have the answers to without the static foundation of religion. Keep doing what you're doing and enjoy your first ski bump season. It's amazing. Cheers, Hillary, an accidental football fan. And when I got this message, I thought it'd be really cool to bring her on and you know, share her story, her journey. Um, obviously, a lot of similarities, talking about the religious upbringing. But what really fascinated me was 
her courage it took to, you know, she said blow up her whole life, but really feel a calling, feeling the unhappiness, feeling like there's something out there that you need to do and trusting the intuition and leaping into the unknown. I think a lot of people get to the point where they realize their life isn't exactly the way, the way they want it and they settle and they, they just keep going on. And, you know, part of my journey is to help inspire people to find the courage within themselves to step into the unknown and create the life that they want to live. Because at some point we're all going to die. This whole experience is impermanent and it is a gift and it's not always easy. It's probably one of the hardest things you can do is, is decide to make a big change in your life, leave a relationship that might not be serving you anymore, leave a job that's really stressful that you're not happy at. And Hillary did it. And I'm really stoked that she agreed to come on this podcast and talk with me. We had a great time discussing you know, her journey. Um, she's an ICU nurse, so she has a really fascinating perspective on death and you know, how she started listening to the signs again and trusting her intuition and how it's led her into this beautiful journey of the unknown. And that's where we feel most alive. Without further ado, here's Hillary. All right. Super stoked about this conversation. I got Hillary Scott with me and really excited about this. This is the first time I've ever done this. She actually reached out to me, sent me an email, uh, which was really cool out of nowhere and mentioned that she had been following me for a little while, listened to a couple of my podcasts and she had just gone through a big life transition, a big shift and really trying to figure out her life and take a step back. I'll take. Um, I'll let her kind of share where she's at and you know how she came to uh, follow me and a little bit about how we came to this conversation. But you know, I just Hillary, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So let's let's jump right in. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about how you came across me and started following me, and then kind of the journey up to when you sent me that email and kind of what inspired you to do that. Okay, so. You know, I was thinking about it. Honestly, I don't know how I even came across you on, it was on Instagram and it was right when you were starting your van trip. And Mm. I don't know, like I'm not a big hashtag searcher. I don't even really use Instagram very well, (laughs) but I found, I came across you and you know, your uh, kind of trip that you're doing resonated with me. I was like, Oh, what's this about? And I was like, Oh, I mean, I think I told you the email, like, I don't really know anything about football. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not never been my thing. Um, so, but I found it really interesting. And so everything you were doing really resonated with me. So um, I really enjoyed your podcast. And like the podcast is like, yeah, it's super amazing what you're talking about. So um, yeah, I guess my, I guess I'll back up. I had an experience with um, my aunt passed away, I think is kind of when I was looking at like everything that's kind of gone on in the last couple of years. And, um, you know, I, I think I told you, I recently just got divorced. I just recently moved across the country with my children from Indiana and relocated back to Oregon. Um, just like some huge life changes that a year ago, I did not see any of this 
at all. Like wasn't in my life plan. <laughs> like not mm-hmm. something I was just kind of like, oh. um, so I had an experience with, you know, I, I've, I've been an ICU nurse for almost 15 years. I'm a critical care nurse practitioner now. I've been around a lot of, you know, patients and families going through trauma and death and everything that goes along with that. And um, so when my aunt passed away, it was a really weird experience for me because I hadn't been on the other side of the bed, so to speak. And so what happened was, so a couple years ago, my aunt almost died from a medical error. And um, I was kind of the family member that went, it was at a community hospital about an hour and a half away. And I went immediately and was like, wait a second, this is not okay. This is actually really fucked up. We're going to fix this. And um, she spent three weeks in the ICU. I had her transferred to another hospital, really was super involved in her care, really had to get on the doctors at the first hospital. Like it was exhausting, but I just felt like this isn't good. This isn't how this is going to go down. Right. And so then she survived that whole ordeal. She was in the ICU for oof, a month. She was on a ventilator for three weeks. Like it was a big deal. I've mm-hmm. taken care of patients like that. Um, she shouldn't have lived at all. She shouldn't have lived. And she knew it actually. So that year afterwards, um, she was kind of a different person, like in the best way possible. Um, like a near-death experience really yeah, changes people, huh? It does. What were the changes that, that you saw? Like what was, what was she like? So, and I'll say like my, my Aunt Beth and I were not, we weren't super close. She's not somebody in my family that I talked to all the time. I probably, even after I moved back to Indiana and I was about an hour and a half away from them, I only saw them, she and her and my uncle, I saw them probably three or four times a year, holidays, you know. Um, But she'd always been such a good, positive presence in my life. She was a retired kindergarten teacher. She's kind of a, she was like a Talbot sweater set kind of lady, (laughs) pearl necklace, very professional, Mm. um, always just very kind, right? Um, And a little bit of, just a little sassy. Just a touch though. She never cursed. She never, you know. So Mm. after that experience and she got out of the hospital and I mean, I only saw her a couple times in that year. She just had this lightness about her. Like she was funny and she just smiled a lot. And she just really seemed, she really seemed to enjoy life a lot more. It was like she knew. I mean, she definitely, we all knew. And it was weird because she and I actually never talked about it. Like we never, mm-hmm. I mean, a couple of times she, she was like, thank you. Did she ever share the experience of like, did she actually like leave her body? Was there anything that like actually happened where I she experienced like this death and coming back? We didn't talk no. about it. Wow. Which is, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, we're very Midwest people. We don't really talk about a lot of those types of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my, my whole family is very um, Christian based and, Mm. very traditional and so yeah my but there was a noticeable dramatic shift definitely and how Um, did that affect that experience how did that affect you and your journey so yeah that really um 
it was, I just had this kind of feeling. I was like, man, Aunt, Be- Aunt Beth's really fun. Like she just really enjoyed things. And I was like, huh, what would I do if I got an extra year of life? Because what ended up happening, and I didn't really think too much about it then, but then a year later to the day um, that she went in or that she had the whole event where she almost died, um, she had a lot of belly pain. So it was exactly like a year to the day. She had a bunch of belly pain at church. She went into the hospital. She had emergency surgery that night on Sunday night. And Tuesday morning, we withdrew care and we withdrew life support. So it happened real quick. And, um, that was, that was hard because, you know, looking back at it, then it really made me think about like, shit, she really did get an extra year. Like that really happened. And, um, a couple of months before she died, I had been listening to this podcast, um, as Chelsea Handler's podcast. And she had this psychic medium. I don't know how she describes herself specifically, but her name's Laura Lynn Jackson. And she, she had a book called, she has a book called signs and it talked about how, you know, we get these signs from our guardian angels or people that have passed over or whatever. But I found it really interesting because she describes people's path of their life as a series of doors throughout your life that are opportunities for you to cross over and pass away. And she said, you know, the goal is to get to your last door. Like that's what we all want. Um, And there's all these doors that it can happen or it can't depending on situations. You know, like you always hear the story like, oh my God, if I hadn't have seen that, you know, I would have turned into traffic or this weird thing happened and stopped me from doing this. And you know, so there's all these different circumstances that can intersect those doors. So I just found that to be a really easy way to kind of look at our lives. And it makes sense to me. And it also made a lot of sense to me that because being an ICU nurse, um, I mean, I know I was standing in that doorway when my aunt almost died, right? I was like, nope, hang on. We still got some shit to do here. I can, I can fix this. Let me try. And I will say as an ICU nurse and anybody who works in healthcare will tell you this, there are so many patients that (laughs) you're like, how in the hell is that guy walking out of here? Mm. Right. Um, you know, because you see it all the time. And so I know specifically myself and you know, the team of healthcare people that I work with have been those people that have pulled people out of that door and been like, nope, you still got some things to do. And then there's some times where it is, it doesn't matter what you do, you're, it's futile. Like you can throw everything at a patient and they're still going to die. Um, which, you know, the guy in the next room might've been a completely different story. So I just really liked the, I guess I liked the door metaphor. That's what I'm trying to say. And so when my aunt died, she got to that last door and, and I was okay with it because I knew like it happened very quick. And I was like, okay, this is her time. Like I'm at peace with it. It was still very painful, you know? Um, but it made me really reflect on a lot of things. And you know, when, when, when you have a loved one pass away, 
it kind of like you just kind of really feel everything like for a long time afterwards like you just feel very open and raw and things affect you not like and i think it depends on the person but for me it just made me more emotionally open to things like okay well what does that mean and do i really want to do this and you know so um it really kind of I think I don't think I realized it at the time. I don't think that my aunt dying that day. <laughs> I don't think at that point I was like, oh, "I'm going to blow up my whole life and see what happens." <laughs> Let's just throw the dice. Um, but what it did is it because I felt so kind of just like emotional and open. Um, like I started listening to music again, which you know I hadn't done in a long time. Music's always been a huge part of my life. Like even when I was a kid. I would, you know, get in my dad's record collection all the time and all these things. And so, um, you know, I hadn't listened, really listened to music in a long time, which, I mean, I like, hold on, I followed the Grateful Dead for a couple of summers. <laughs> like, Ooh, I mean, I was like, oh, deadhead, yeah, huh? a little bit of dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, you know, I was just, uh, that really helped me kind of like get back in tune with myself, I think, because... Mm. And then what that led to was me realizing that I hadn't been in tune with myself for years. And because, you know, we all get caught up in these things like, I got this job, I got these bills, I've got these kids, I just got to stay focused on, you know, task mastering, right? Mm -hmm. And you kind of forget to really feed your soul and pay attention to who you are. And so... I don't know. I just kind of, it was, it was a bit of a process, but I got to the point where I was like, I don't want to do this like this anymore. You know, my aunt had that one year and she really seemed to live it, you know? And I just, you know, and of course, and then, (laughs) then quarantine happened, (laughs) which I think a lot of people, I think, I think that's kind of universal right now. I think a lot of people you know, definitely reflected on their lives because they didn't have shit to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I kind of sat with myself and my kids during quarantine and, you know, I couldn't go to work because I I had to stay home with my, nobody could stay home with my kids. So, you know, I wasn't able to go to the hospital, which I had some guilt about because, you know, leaving my people. Um, Mm. So I couldn't work. I had to sit at the house, couldn't go anywhere. We were on pretty, very strict lockdown restrictions. And I just sat there and I thought, you know, this isn't a huge deal. Like, honestly, it's not the worst thing ever to sit here, but why do I still feel so shitty? Like, I still mm-hmm. feel shitty. And like, something was just wrong. And I don't know, I just remember saying to my girlfriend, um, the, you know, the one person during quarantine, I, you know, everybody had like their group that they would check in with. And the one person I talked to every day, um, I just, just said, you know what, I don't think I want to be married anymore. And that was really hard to say out loud. Uh, it was terrifying, right? Cause that's, mm. that's a very powerful statement. And so much goes along with that, you know, like, <sighs> um, and that's what keeps people from making these big life changes, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. like having time to sit down and really ask yourself, 
like, what is it that's not making me happy? What, what, like if right. I was going to die soon, what would I want my life to look like? And right. being confronted with the impermanence of life really brings up a lot of these questions and then having time to really sit with it. So talk about the process, like the, the time, the timeline. I was, how, how long ago was this when your, when your aunt passed away a year ago? You said? She died in um, June of 19. So, okay. yeah. And so you slowly started trying to find your way back to yourself because we get so lost in these stories of what we think our life should be. And we, yeah. when we check in with ourselves, we realize life isn't... You know, I had a very similar journey with football. Like I was living out my childhood dream playing football and I got to the point where I could keep playing, but it just it wasn't... like There's right. something deep inside me that was like, I, there's something else out there for me. It was almost like this soul calling. So talk about the difficulty because I feel like this is really this is like a powerful point where a lot of people get to in their life where they go, How did I get here? Right. Why am I unhappy? Right. I, I feel like I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing. I worked hard for this thing. I have the family, but I'm still not happy. And they just I think it really starts with going inward and asking yourself the question, like, what is it that I want? Yeah. And so you came to that moment, you actually, you know, said that out loud, and and that's probably a huge moment that brings up a lot of story, a lot of fear of the right. unknown. What does life look like on the other side of this? Right. Is this something I can move through? And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is the fear of the unknown. And so talk about your journey of really confronting that, working through that, and finally making the steps to make this transition into the life that you want now. So when I first started... Okay, so first of all, it's not, I my marriage was not... Um, a great one. It wasn't like this was out of the blue. There had been issues for a couple of years. Um, and I think that personally, I took a real deep dive and got real honest with myself because, um, even though, well, I took a real deep dive and got really honest with myself and realized that I had been tolerating a lot of shit in order to pretend that everything was okay. Right. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like my relationship with my husband, ex-husband, um, was this kind of chaotic ball. Like he was just like a lot of chaos. We're in two different, completely different trajectories in our life right now. I think, you know, maybe in the beginning we kind of meshed up, but you know, 10 years later, not at all. Um, so he's like this little ball of chaos and I'm just orbiting around him constantly, like making sure everything's okay, making everybody okay. Like that was kind of my job. That's the, that's the role I gave myself was to just make everything okay. And then I kind of realized that I don't have to do this, right? Mm. Like, <laughs> mm. maybe I don't have to do this because I feel like in, you know, marriages always have their ups and downs. When you have kids, for me, because my parents were divorced and their divorce was awful and it really affected me and my brother. So I didn't want that to be our story for our kids, right? And then I started thinking about it and I'm like, if I'm tolerating this just for my kids, what are they seeing? Like, mm. I don't want 
them, but I don't want this to be the example that they grow up with because that's shit. And all I'm doing is passing on my crap to my kids, right? And even if we act like everything's normal and try and keep it together right. around the kids, like the energy that we're having right. is is really palpable. And even if we're yes. acting and putting these masks on in front of our kids, especially but I realized kids are really in tune with the energy mm-hmm. and they can feel that. And yep. if you start, you know, I had this conversation with my wife too. It's like, if, and because we're, we're having a boy on the way and we're trying to discuss, and it's like, if learning a lot about parenting and, 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 you know, reaching out to people. And, you know, if we pretend like everything's okay and don't eat, like have these conversations even in front of our kids and we say, no, everything's all right, but they can feel it, that creates this this lie. Right. And so it it creates this distrust in themselves, trusting their own intuition. Cause if they feel something's off and you're telling them, no, everything's okay. And then they they learn not to trust their intuition. And that actually has a way bigger effect on them growing up than being honest with them and being like, it's okay. If these things don't work out, this has happened. This is a part of life. Right. Cause it is all these stories that we end up living. Right. So, so keep going, um, get to a point where you end up, coming to, to terms with that. What was that? Yeah. What was that journey like? It was, it was fucking terrifying. <laughs> mm. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in my car in the driveway at night, listening to the radio and uh, with a bottle of wine <laughs> <laughs> during quarantine. Cause that was the only time yeah. I had to myself, you know, like, yeah. Uh, you know, he would come home from work and I was like, I need, I need some space. And I just really, you know, fortunately I had a couple of really good girlfriends that kind of like, I mean, it was very humbling and kind of embarrassing when, when my, this one particular girlfriend, I just kind of started telling her stuff that had been going on. And she was like, what? Like, okay. And she, she was so surprised, you know, this is my very best friend. She's like, I had no idea. Like, I just didn't. Mm. She's like, I'm, and then she felt it. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, why are you sorry? Why are you sorry? I haven't been honest with myself for years. Why, why do I expect you to know these things? And, you know, so that was, that was hard. Um, I really had to get honest with myself. And, you know, there's this quote I heard a couple of weeks ago that um, they were talking about huge life changes. And it's like, yeah, everyone's scared. Like you're scared to do these things. We're all scared to do these things. You just have to be more brave than you are scared, right? Mm, and sometimes yeah, it takes courage, right? And sometimes you're more scared than you are brave, and you know, and that can be a little stifling at times. Like that can prevent you from moving forward, and maybe that's okay in the moment, but at some point you have to get over it. And so, yeah, I just um, it was it was it was a rough. It was a rough path, I'll say that. But mm. it was once I made the decision, um, I knew it was the right one because I knew it was going to lead me back to being happy. And um, yeah, and and then and I kind of and it was funny because every time I kind of questioned myself or was just not feeling, you know, very confident and like, Oh God, am I doing the right thing? Like, this is, I'm going to, you know, I'm like, I'm going to ruin my kids' lives. And, you know, I would just get this, I don't know. I just kind of got these little signs from like, you know, whatever. I would see a hummingbird. Like uh, I see hummingbirds at really weird points in my life. Like all these things would pop up and 
like, I don't know if this is the topic you even want to go down this path, but I really feel like the, I would feel my aunt's presence a lot, just kind mm. of nudging me, which... Helping guide you. Yeah, which was a weird experience for me because, um, you know, I you know, talking about children being intuitive and, and both of my kids are very intuitive and, you know, the, the energy in our household was very heavy for a long time and they, they knew it. And, um, as a child, I, growing up probably into, into my late twenties, I was always very intuitive. I always followed my instincts, you know, kind of a free spirit. I just always felt like I knew things and I was okay with that. I was like, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, that's, and then working in the ICU, um, I kind of had to make this conscious decision to turn that off because mm-hmm. you can't be around that much emotional trauma and sadness um, and absorb and that. And be open, right? Yeah, it'll be drain open. you. You can't mm-hmm. because you still have to do a job and you have to be present for, for people and you have to be that support system for people, you know? Um, so I, I did, I made the conscious decision. I was like, I can't be open to this anymore. I need to just focus and, you know, and that's what I did to kind of work through that. Mm. After my aunt died, I was like, I, I need to be open again. This, I need, mm. I need this back in my life. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's dive back into the signs. Right. Cause you know, I feel like we, a lot of people get to this point where it's the, the, the fear of the unknown and then the bravery and courage it takes to step into that. And, you know, I feel like we're all guided by something that's greater than us. Right. And right. it does show up in, in these signs and, and, and these things and these, these intuitive hits and yeah. these feelings in our body. And until we can really learn to listen to those, we, we stuff them down until it gets so big that something big happens. And I, I truly believe that the universe rewards those courageous enough to go follow their hearts and go head into the unknown and answer the call, not even knowing like, what, what is this going to look like? Leaving my, my husband, my life behind that, you know, my job and going into the unknown. So talk a little bit about the signs and the trust. And did that, was that something that you began to trust more and follow these intuitive hits and these signs and talk about that journey of finally leaping into the unknown and, and feeling guided. And like, what was that like? It was, um, it was crazy. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. So, you know, all these little signs here and there, I've always had, I've always just been like, okay, yeah, that's what that is. And that's what that, you know, usually like little insignificant things, you know. Um, the biggest one that I got that was kind of a turning point for me was, um, So I decided to, so I used to live out here in Oregon and this is where I spent a a good portion of my, um, adult, like mid twenties to mid thirties. And it's always been kind of my place. And, you know, I love the mountains and whatever. So at the end of quarantine, when our restrictions were starting to be lifted in the state, I kind of felt like I wanted to take a trip out to Oregon, like stick my kids in the car, drive them out to see grandma, visit my, some of my best friends that live, live out here still. But I knew that 
for some reason, I just knew that taking that trip was going to be a turning point, right? I had kind of been going through this. I think I decided that, you know, my life needed a lot of changes, probably, you know, mid to late March. Um, I didn't know what that looked like yet, but I knew that some shit was going to go down, right? (laughs) I was kind of mentally preparing myself for that. And so I decided I needed to, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I should take this trip. And, you know, and my husband at the time, he's like, why don't you just throw the kids in the car and go see my mom in Oregon? You guys aren't doing anything here. This sucks. We're all cooped up. He's like, just go. And I was like, okay. But at the same time, like I said, I knew it was going to be a big deal if I took this trip. So I was kind of going back and forth in my mind. I didn't know why it was going to be a big deal. I just felt it. And so I was kind of like, okay, all right, Aunt Beth, if you're, you know, if you're really out there, you're going to send me a sign and it's going to say, go. Okay. (laughs) And because in the podcast I listened to with Laura Lynn Jackson, she made a big point of talking about, you know what, you're, guardian angels, your spirit watchers, whatever you want to call them are listening to you. And if you ask for specific things, it will deliver, but you have to just be open to receive the message. You need to pay attention. And I hadn't been paying attention to shit like that for years. Right. Mm. So finally I was like, all right, Aunt Beth, this is a big one. If this is really true, I'm going to see the word go. And so for like three weeks, nothing. And I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go to Oregon. Maybe I won't. And so, so then I'm like one morning I got up and I just was kind of in a weird space. And I, I took some time to myself. I'm like, I'm going to go drive around. Cause that's really all you could do during quarantine, right? Just drive around, listen to the radio. Drink a bottle of wine. Drink a bottle of wine. No, I only did that in the driveway. <laughs> Not while the keys were in the car. Okay. Not okay. While the keys were in the car. So right. So, um, yeah, I'm like, driving around with my coffee and I came to a stoplight and um, I'm sitting there and it just dawned on me. I was like, I never, I never did see that. I never did see go anywhere. Like just Aunt Beth kind of popped to my head. I was like, Oh, I never saw that. And literally as the thought came into my head and left my head, I turned and looked over at this restaurant. They had a big banner outside. And the wind flipped it up. And only thing showing on the banner was the word go. Oh, <laughs> I'm getting goosebumps right now. Right? Right? And uh, I was like, are you kidding me right now? I was like, oh my God. Like I did, and I just got goosebumps and I was sitting there. And then I start driving again. As, as I'm driving, I turn the station on my radio to like one of the program stations that I never listened to. I just like automatically did it. Didn't even think about it. I just, it was like, it wasn't even my hand. I just changed the radio station. And, and this song, this old song by rare earth came on and it's that song. I just want to celebrate another day of living. And I was like, okay, Aunt Beth, (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) It's just like that. Um, to me, that was undeniable, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe to someone else, it would be like, oh, look at that. That's funny. Oh, you know, like, I feel like... Like, logic- what a coincidence, what, right? Oh, what a cool little dink. Yeah, I mean, yeah. really, 
you know, we're taught to be logic minded, right? Mm-hmm. You can, you can justify that away as, you know, a coincidence or whatever you want to call it all day long. Mm-hmm. But if you make the decision to pay attention to those things, I think they can be really powerful. Who knows mm-hmm. where those signs come from? It could be a total coincidence that have nothing to do with anything, or it could be something really powerful. Mm-hmm. At the end of the but day, you have to be open to right. it. Right? And, and does it matter where it comes from? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I don't think it does. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about like, cause I, you know, I, I know you've listened to this podcast a couple of times and I kind of, I like discussing these, like, what does it all mean and, and why is it? And, and the first question I usually ask people is, you know, what's the purpose of life? Like, why are we here? And I truly believe there is, there's gotta be something that created this experience for us. And so I just like to get your thoughts on like, what, what, what is that? Like you've, you've been around death. You've experienced right. that with your job. You've, like, what is the purpose? Like, why are we here? What is the, why, why even go through this journey where you're, you're learning these lessons and you're, you're in that thing and being open and you're confronted with having to go into the unknown and make this big decision. And then you ask for guidance and it's shown to you. And like, you know, like how do we make sense of, of what that is? And like, in your opinion, what do you believe the purpose of this life is? Um, you know, in my own personal life, I have found my purpose to be playing a part of a bigger whole, right? More kind of like the idea of the greater good. I know that, and and the reason I say that is because of my own personal experience as a nurse. There's been times that I have been put in situations that were so obviously huge and like very impactful. You know, I I mean, I've been present when people have, have died traumatically. I've been present when people have passed away peacefully. Um, you know, that, that saying like, people won't remember what you say, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Right. Mm. So I know that, and myself and watching my coworkers, um, the little things we do sometimes have the biggest impact. And if something I do for someone, not with the purpose of getting recognition, but just like, hey, I see you need this. Like, let me do that for you or you know, anything. Um, I think that can change that person's perception of maybe a horrible situation or help them along in a better way, right? I really feel like even the little insignificant things that we can do for each other, for complete strangers, for whoever, um, I think that kind of pushes us all along to a better place. And I think that that's, personally, that's my goal. And I feel mm. like that's a, it's a good purpose to have. Like, we're all on this shit show together. I mean, <laughs> things are mm-hmm. good and then things are real bad. But sometimes, you know, it's just that one little, the one little thing, like, you know, you're having a horrible day and you're sitting in traffic and somebody lets you out in front of them. Like, thanks. That makes you feel good, huh? It does. It's palpable. It lifts your energy. It yeah. Does. Like your energy shift. It does. Just those yeah. little things. And I really feel like, you know, if we can all get past our shit 
of our opinions and our blah, 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 you know, and just find that commonality as humans and help each other, even if it's something little, I feel mm. like that's a good purpose. Totally. At least for me. And we're all so much more alike than we are different, right? And Absolutely. it is the stories of the stories we live and who we think we are that get in the way and divide us. Yes. Yes. So let's go back to the signs that you're open to, right? And it's it's you're answering this call. You know, where where's your like what's your belief around what that is as far as, you know, your story of God and you know, our source or universe or spirit or whatever you want to call it, this, this higher power, this intelligence that, you know, your aunt Beth, you know, communicating with her and asking her for a sign and then it's it showing up and, you know, like where, where is your journey with the belief in a higher power, a higher intelligence? Where did that stem from? And, you know, we talked about earlier how you kind of lost that, right? That connection with yourself, that openness, because you had to, to protect yourself from the energy of these really traumatic events and this grief. And if you took that on, it would affect your energy. But, you know, talk about your journey with this higher intelligence and, and communicating with it and, you know, how that's evolved over your life. Um, so similar to you, I was raised in a very traditionally Christian family. Um, after my parents got divorced, I think I was in like fifth grade when they separated. Um, my mom really went down a rabbit hole into the church. She, I would describe her now as evangelical. She would not describe herself mm-hmm. as evangelical, but um, you know, she's very steadfast in her beliefs. And um, you know, I had to go to church every Sunday or I wasn't allowed to leave the house or have friends over. You know, it was very strict. And I was parented with this kind of passive aggressive judgment. And, you know, I was always, kind of, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I always described myself as, but I know everyone else described me as kind of the wild child of the family, right? So, um, you know, Christianity just did not resonate with me. It, I just, it didn't, it didn't make sense to me, right? So um, how can, how can this be the only way when you've got an entire world full of billions of people who have a lot of different ideas. How can everyone be wrong except you? And how can, mm. you know, um, and so I kind of... had the same exact, same exact questions. Like how, right. how, how do, uh, you know, half the population or, you know, a country like India where they have a completely different religion, yeah. like all those people are just going to hell because they've never heard about what you believe. Right. Right. Like simple question like that. And there's, there's no answer. And an evangelical will say, well, it's our job to be missionaries to go spread yes. the good word to them. Yes. Which I also have a, a real issue with, um, mm. you know, that's in my parents. But we get attached to this trips. idea, right? We put God in a box, right? you know, through our beliefs. And we, we have to believe this when in reality, all these different religions, all these different spiritual teachings are all trying to make sense of the same thing. This connection. Yes to something that's greater than ourselves, trying to make sense of what this experience is. And, you know, seeing signs, communicating with passed away souls, you know, following our heart and our intuition, like all of that is connected to something greater. And we try to make sense of what that is. But when we put it into a box, it really limits the idea of what God is, right? Yes. Like God is, if you say he's omnipresent, he's omniscient, he's 
He is all, he's the absolute, the omega, the alpha. It's incomprehensible to our linear thinking minds what that is. And a lot of these religions are trying to put God in a box. And like, so you, you, you kind of grow out of that belief system. You don't really have some resistance to it, but you're still connected to something that's greater than you. You're just not believing it in that kind of way. And I think a lot of people don't understand that you can, you can have a connection to God or whatever you want to call it, even labeling it. We can't, we can't even put a word on it because it is this ineffable experience, but you can't have a relationship with that connection without going to church or having these dogmatic belief systems. Right. Right. Like the framework, you know, what do you do without the framework? That's my cousin and I were just having this conversation, you know, she's like, it's so offensive to me when people, you know, she's agnostic. And she said it, People are like, oh, how can you be a good person without religion? And she's like, that's the most fucking offensive thing I've ever heard. Like, you just be a good person and you recognize the humanity in each other, you know. But at the same time, growing up in the Midwest with everyone went to church on Sunday. And, you know, like after we moved back, my favorite time to go to the grocery was Sunday at 10 o'clock because nobody was there. <laughs> Like, <laughs> everybody's at church. Everybody's at church. I put in my AirPods, I listen to music, and I just like dance to the grocery store, you know? But, um, you know, without that framework, you, you force yourself to examine what you really believe. And I think that's a good thing. I think, I wish mm-hmm. more people would do that. You know, you can't, it, it's not enough for me personally to just be like, okay, here's this book and this is what it says. And this is how these, this is how all these white men interpret it. Like you're going to do this. Like I can't, you know, I remember having a conversation with my mom. Uh, I think it was when I was getting ready to leave on one of my trips, just, you know, and I, I know she was struggling with it and just like, ah, and, um, I said, didn't you ever just want to go off and do a, take a trip and go, cause I was going to go live with some people and, Colorado for the ski season and she thought I was losing my mind, you know, and it's like, didn't you ever want to do anything like this? And she, she paused for a second and sat there and just looked at me. And then I think one of the most honest things that she's ever said to me came out of her mouth, not that she's not an honest person, but it was really reflective of her own upbringing. She said, I didn't know that I had the choice to. Right. Wow. Right. That just hit me really hard. It hit me too. And I'll never forget it. It was, I mean, it was 20 years ago, over 20 years ago. And just, so I think that statement said, spoke volumes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, She was raised very traditional Christian, you know, good. I mean, these are good people. They are good salt of the earth people, the kindest people you would ever hope to meet. But she's not able, for whatever reason, to kind of step outside her own bubble, right? Mm. And so her religion has kind of, that's, that's, her, that's the main thing in her life. And that's, the, that's how she operates. And that's the most important thing to her, which is fine for her. It's not for me, though. And so yeah. that's been hard to, you know, deal with that, like relating to each other through all of this. Totally. And what I, what I found, you know, with my parents too, and with people that are in this narrow-minded view of reality and they have these attachments to these beliefs, like that's the lens in which they view reality, right? Yeah. And the construct of how they interact with the world is through that framework. And if they start questioning that, 
they're really starting to question their entire existence, their entire reality, yes. what this universe means. And that's really scary and hard for people to do. And, yeah. you know, the more I realize that I have a lot more compassion for them rather than this like, you know, angst or trying to argue with them or change their mind. Like, why can't you open your mind? Like, it's just that it's, it's not that hard. Like, just question it. Like, ask a simple question. But it's because if they start questioning, especially in the universe that we live in, it's really fascinating. If you question one thing, it leads to just 10 more questions. Right. And it's like this hydra. And you actually don't ever get any answers. And that's the beautiful thing about this experience is we don't actually know anything. All the questions lead to more questions. Mm -hmm. And there's no actual answers. And if, if we don't have something that's concrete that we can believe in, then what is reality? And that opens this Pandora's box of like, holy crap. And that's really scary for people. And I think one of the really big awakenings for anybody, I know from my experience, one of the big awakenings for me was traveling for the first time and leaving the country. I, went, I remember going to Costa Rica. I was 24 years old. I had a lot of fear around that because I had never traveled. The media makes the world a scary place. Yeah. You know, even traveling in our own country, it's like, I'm never going to go. And I, I, I feel like a lot of people that haven't traveled, they've lived in their hometown or they live in the same place that it creates this narrow minded vision of what reality is because they're interacting with the same people with the same thoughts all the time. And all the information they're really getting is from the TV screen, which is a narrative that is manipulated by the right. media in a negative way. So talk about your... Because you traveled a lot. Talk about travel and the importance of that and opening up your mind to a wider perspective of reality. Yeah, I think... Um, I Yeah, I once, once I moved back to Indiana um, after, you know traveling around. For, I mean, I left, I was, I was out of Indiana for about 20 years during my adult life before I moved back. And <clears throat> when I moved back, I, I saw, I, you know, that was mm. pretty much a lot of the people that I worked with, all my colleagues hadn't really traveled at all, except to go to Florida for spring break. Like, and that doesn't really count, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Daytona, Daytona 2006. That's not, that's not life-changing. All the, like traveling in, in like ways. a wanderlust way yeah. too. Like I remember when I left being in the van and traveling the country with kind of trusting where the universe wanted to take me or God right. or whatever you want to call it, it left me open to the experience of life yes. and, and constantly going into the unknown and realizing these synchronicities would happen. These people would show up in my life. I would make really good friends like out of nowhere. And it was, it allowed me, it taught me how to stay open to the experience of life. Mm-hmm. But when people get in their routine, it creates this bubble of like, I don't want to get out. They don't stay open. It's fascinating. I found since I've, I got a place in Austin and I, you know, kind of planning some routes now, I do find myself getting more into routine and I'm not as open to the experience of life. But when I travel in a van to a new place, you know, I see someone random at a restaurant. I'm like, Oh, I'm not from here. And I have this like energy about me that's open and people mm-hmm. can sense that. Yeah. And so like traveling can just really open your mind if you're and not like going to a destination like spring break and like right. being in a hotel, right? but being open to the journey of life. Yeah. And getting out there and just meeting different people. Like, you know, yeah, that the routine is the routine of life is very safe and comfortable. And, mm. and that it's nice, but it can be a trap. And also I feel like, especially in these times, you know, it's very, it can be very anxiety producing and, you know, work against you to be open to new experiences. Like, Oh, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to go home. You know, like, um, I, yeah, those synchronicities of that just pop up of traveling and meeting people and, 
you know, experiencing new things and just have like, oh, I met this person and oh, well, you know that, and that, you know, and all these things just fall into place. Um, that, yeah, you just bump into somebody at a gas station and then you see them, you know, two days later, like, oh, hey, dude, like, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that stuff happens all the time. All the time. But yeah. And that's, and that's such a fun thing, you know, and, uh, you know, I would say in my early 20s, um, you know, going to dead shows, <laughs> like it's interesting because a, a dead show is such a little community on its own. And those little magical things would happen all the time there, like all the time. You'd be at a show in Buffalo and you'd see somebody and like buy a burrito from this dude. And then like, you know, a month later, you know, you see that guy out of gas on the side of the road, like, Hey dude. Yeah. You, you know, hooked me up with like stuff happens Mm. all the time and that's just fun. And it just makes life more exciting. And And when you experience that, you can actually bring that, that trust and that openness to listen into your own life. Right. Right. And full circle, that's kind of what you went through, right? You were in this routine of life feeling like this is what I've created for myself. And you started getting, you know, that stress, anxiety, like, yeah, wait, wait, what am I doing? I'm not happy anymore. And learning to step back into the unknown and trust, you know, the lessons of being open to the experience. Like what, what does this experience have for me? So talk about full circle coming back and you trusting that and going out into the unknown and where that's, that's led you and how you see kind of the future. Like, how do you want your life to go now that you're like kind of making all these huge shifts and transitions? (laughs) Do you even know, or are you just like kind of trusting? Uh, I mean, I've got some ideas, but, um, at this point I feel like I'm in a good place for the first time Mm. in a long time. I mean, yesterday was the first day that I haven't had to do anything for so long. I haven't been trying to pack my house. I haven't been having massive emotional psychological discussions, you know, about my marriage and how to, you know, like it felt so good to just sit here and be and let my, I mean, mm. my kids are like building a fort, like eating, I found them with a bag of chips and a box of Oreo cookies, like in this fort. And I just laughed. I was like, that's awesome. Like have some hot chocolate, you know, <laughs> like mm. I'm just, I'm just going with the flow. And, um, I just, I'm real excited about my life again. Whereas before, I think before my life felt very linear, you know, I, checked off a lot of boxes, finished grad school, nurse practitioner, you know, doing all these things. I actually got offered my dream job as a nurse practitioner and turned it down because there was that knowing inside of me that I was like, "Mm, this isn't right. So I can't say that right now, I really know (laughs) exactly what things are going to look like, except for the fact that I know that I get to be back in the mountains. I get to show my girls what that life looks like. And they're excited about it also. Um, And, you know, I'm just going to kind of go with the flow. I don't have any attachment to an outcome specifically. And I'm okay with that. Like, and that's kind of how I've always approached life in general. Or at least I tried to convince myself I felt that way. But now 
I'm just, I'm a lot more calm, you mm. know, like I just feel okay with everything. And even though <laughs> the last six months have been so like everything I've done in the last six months has been absolutely terrifying. I didn't question myself. Once I mm. fully committed, I just felt this sense of calm and literally everything fell into place. Like I set the intention and let it go. Like to the date. I mean, I was like, we're, I'm, I'm going to be back in Oregon on this date. My divorce is going to be final on this date. Like things are going to happen and it's all happened. And, mm. you know, on the drive out here, I mean, we drove five days. <laughs> with, I think I told you my, my, you know, an eight and nine-year-old and a giant standard poodle who's very ill-behaved and a hamster. So <laughs> all in my car, five days to get out here. And the trip went really well, actually. Like, walking into a hotel with a giant dog that's jumping everywhere and a hamster like, like, Hey, we're here. And it went fine. Everybody we met was like, Oh, Hey, come like That's fine. Don't, you know, I mean, with the hamster, they kind of looked away. They're like, I don't know what to do about the hamster. I'm just going to ignore that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but so we had a really good trip and it was really bonding for me and my daughters. And at one point, um, Lucy, my, my nine-year-old from the backseat, she's like, mommy, I feel like you had a really cool life before. And I was like, what? You know, because it's not like I I don't tell them stories like, oh, I remember this, you know, but as we were driving out here, I was like, hey, you guys can do this and I can show you how to do that. And She's like, I feel like you had a really cool life. I was like, she said, you did some really cool stuff. And that just like, Mm -hmm. that got me, you know? Yeah. And, And I was like, you know, I did. And, um, I'm really excited to show you guys all this stuff so we can have that life together. You know, like... Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <It's so beautiful. laughs> it was just... And, she, and she's my empath daughter, for sure. Mm. Like, she's very... She, she's real special. But, you know, so that just really kind of solidified everything that's going on. Like yeah. there, there's, there's so much beauty in not knowing, lot. right? Yeah. And I'm okay. Because not with knowing it. drops you into being more present to the experience that's unfolding right now. Right. And that's what we tell when you get in a routine, you have an expectation of my, my day tomorrow looks like this and you get lost in the future right. and you're just living in the future. What's next? What's next? What's next? And you kind of become on autopilot. But when you don't know, I mean, that's why being on the road, like that road, like you, you don't know. You right. have to be open and it brings you and drops you back into being present because there's no projection that your mind can make for what the next thing's going to be. And when you can drop into being present, and that's why I love, there's all these tools to train yourself how to be more present. That's all meditation is, right? Right. It's like, how can right. I be more present for the experience of life that's unfolding folding in front of me in the now? I think that's a beautiful thing about COVID too. And that's why a lot of people say it's like, it's such a terrible year, struggling, it's hard. It's because we really don't know ever. We create this illusion of we know what tomorrow looks like. But in any given second, something can happen. A family member right. can die. Right. You can be in an accident. Something traumatic could happen. You feel called to, you're not happy anymore and you want to make a change and, or a global pandemic happens. Right. So in reality, we don't know. The only thing we know for sure is that life is impermanent and the experience of life is impermanent. And if we're constantly trying to you know, get somewhere, 
we're never going to actually be present for the experience of life as it's unfolding. And that's why I love like, you're like, I don't know what life looks like, but that's going to create a beautiful experience of being connected to what wants to be experienced right. through you in the moment. Right. And, mm-hmm. and showing my daughters that it's okay to not completely know what this is going to look like, you know, um, and, and having them be okay with it, you know, like they're young. I, you know, of course I had to give them like some concrete things to hold on to. That was part of my trip coming out here at the end of quarantine with them to kind of show them this place and see how they reacted to it. And if they enjoyed being out here, because I knew that if they were like, wow, I really like it, then, you know, I was going to move forward with getting out here. If they were like, I hate it, this sucks, you know, then it wouldn't have worked. So that was kind of part of my trip to bring them out here. But, um, once we made the decision, they're like, well, what's this going to be like? I said, I don't know, but it's going to be fun. You know, Mm. like I showed them a picture of their school on the internet. I was like, well, here's your new school that you won't ever go into probably for the next six months. But, you know, (laughs) like it's there. That's where your teacher goes. But it's like an adventure form, right? It is. Which is like, as a kid, we have this, like, we have this not knowing what the world is like. And there is this, like, this imagination of like, what is that going to be like? And it is so new and you're constantly experiencing the world freshly in this fresh Mm -hmm. experience. And we lose that as adults. We get in yeah. this, we get in this real world, and this like this is how life's supposed to be. This is the story I need to live. This is what success looks like. I need to make more money. And then we get to a point where all of a sudden we're 65, 70, and we're like, holy shit, my life's over. Right. And like a lot of people think, yeah. like, okay, it's gonna end at some point. They just think they have to live these rules. It's almost like the journey is to get back to being a kid and seeing the world right. through a kid's eyes. Right. And I that is something that I have been acutely aware of and try to remind myself of all the time. And part of that, I think, comes from being around a lot of death in my professional life, that nothing is promised. Every day is a gift, right? And, um, you know, that combined with like my, my angst my, and my anger of being in the Midwest growing up, I think just made me get the hell out of there and start having these experiences, which you know, maybe my motivation to begin with wasn't, you know, I'm going to be this self-actualized person and have all these great experiences. I just want to get the hell out of there. It ended up really benefiting me as a person on a journey to kind of just be okay with everything, you know? Mm. Yeah. And, and that like, was a beautiful we, segue. Yeah. Talking about, talking about death. And the last question I like to ask everyone is, you know, what, what do you think happens when we die? Um, because that's one thing that's that's really beautiful about this human experience is is the one thing we all do share and have in common is at some point we're going to have to experience our own mortality and death. Right. Um, and you've been around it, right? You've you've experienced it probably more than than most. Um, and so, just talk about your experience with being around death, <sighs> and then what you believe happens when people do pass. Um. I don't know what happens when we die. And I'm totally okay with that. In fact, based on my last year of experience with just like seeing signs and getting all these little messages that are kind of like, yeah, keep going, keep going. Um, I'm kind of excited to see what happens, (laughs) you know, like, I think it's going to be the next adventure, to be honest. Like, 
Wow. You know, they're sort of vibrating. That's such a beautiful way to put it. It is. Who's to say that it's not the most beautiful experience we'll ever have? Right. I mean, we don't know. And I hope it is. You know, I'm pretty happy with my life here. But if on the other side of it, I can, I can do for my loved ones or just random people what I think some of my guardian angels and spiritual guys, whatever you want to call them, have done for me. Like, I can't wait to do that for somebody, right? Like, because <laughs> any of my friends will tell you, I'm going to be the first person that's like, get your shit together. <laughs> yeah. You, know? you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. Right. Boom. <laughs> and I was like, that's a coincidence. Why did that happen? It's like, okay, I'll give you another one. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> exactly. I always smack you upside the head with that. You know, I think, um, you know, I can tell you, I have seen some really crazy shit happen when people die that you're just like, wow, that was powerful. Like, can you share an example? Um, you're talking about like the energy in a room, like something happens. Yeah. Okay. Tell me more about that. So, Oh, here's a great example. This one, I, I have so many, but this one has always stuck with me, um, in a, in a good way because trust me, I've seen a lot of really sad ones. Um, But this one, I will say, I'll preface this by saying in critical care medicine, a lot of times we do things more for the patient's family members than we actually do for the patient, right? Mm. What I mean by that is sometimes families aren't ready. And even though as the healthcare professionals, we know where this is going, um, the family's not ready yet. So if that means that we need to continue what we're doing and continue our work for another 12, 24, 36 hours to get the family all on board and really have them have a clear perception of, you know, so they're ready, then that's fine. And honestly, that happens more often than not. So I had a situation with a patient. She, um, I never had met her before she came to the ICU um, she had a cardiac arrest on the floor and came down. So when I, when I took over care, she was already on a ventilator. I couldn't talk to her. I didn't know anything about this woman. Um, and she was probably in her sixties. And so her, like all of a sudden all these women start showing up in the room, right? It was her partner and her sister and her nieces. So, and it's just like, it was a very heavy feeling in the room. You know, this woman had been sick up on the floor a little bit, but then, you know, this catastrophic event happened. And, um, so they weren't prepared for that. And everyone was kind of, but like the, the emotional support that they were all giving each other was amazing. Like they were, it just had a different vibe in the room than a lot of the patient families I've dealt with before, but they were having a hard time. Um, uh, you know, all getting on the same page. <clears throat> and so that was the first day. During the, at the end of the first day, the, her, the patient's sister said to me alone, she said, you know, we all know that this is not, she's not going to live. And we're, we want to withdraw care, but <clears throat> her partner's, her girlfriend's not ready. And her girlfriend feels very guilty because her girlfriend had been designated power of attorney for healthcare. So, um, she said, you know, she feels horrible. This is a really hard situation because, and you see this a lot, like people don't agree on what to do. And that we're used mm-hmm. to that. That's, that's nothing new. So then, um, 
I was like, okay, you know what? This is what this is. I've said it a million times in my career. You'll know when it's time, right? You'll just know. Mm. So then the next day I came back and this patient, she's, she's got every single possible medication going, just full court press. And the family's like all standing around. You could tell like the family was kind of like, hey, uh, you know, but still like they were all, it was just real good energy. They're very supportive of each other. And finally, you know, we were kind of like chit-chatting and kind of, I kind of joked around with them a little bit. And finally, I just said, you know, I never got to meet, we'll call her Sally. I never got to meet Sally before she was on a ventilator. I've, I've never talked to her. But just from the stories that you guys are telling me about her, she seems like the type of woman that would just say, to hell with you all, I'll do it myself. (laughs) literally the words came out of my mouth and her heart rate started slowing down like dramatically wow like it was just like they just because i said that and they started laughing and they said yeah you're exactly right we can't get our shit together and she's probably annoyed with us right now and just her heart and she and, and despite being on every medication possible. Her heart rate slowed down and stopped in about four minutes. Wow. Yeah. Um, oh my God. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. So did I. I mean, it was, it was pretty powerful and it was almost like, I mean, any nurse will tell you it's it, sometimes it's a patient will wait to pass away until a certain family member gets there or when a certain family member leaves. Like if there's a family member that's having a really hard time and they won't leave the bedside for like 36 hours and they finally leave to go get a cup of coffee, that's when that patient's going to die. Like we know it it happens all the time. So there is definitely a consciousness that is pervasive in death. Mm. I don't know what that means. I talk to my patients like they can hear me. Of course, I'm talking Mm. in their ear. I don't think that they're listening with their ears at that point, (laughs) you know, but it's, um, it's, it's a very crazy, powerful experience. Thanks for sharing that. That's, that's really beautiful. What an experience. And I'm sure the way that that happened, right? Right. Like the way that happened, like all of, all of the family that was there that witnessed that it's almost like that gives them this sense of like, Mm -hmm. oh, like she's not gone, right? She might right. not be in this physical body, but there is. And the way that just unfolded probably gave them so much more peace Yeah, for it to happen like that. Right. And I've had a lot of experiences like that where it's just, like I was saying before, like sometimes it's just the one thing that you say that changes kind of, not that my words have that much power, you know, who am I? I'm just a nurse walking in the room running my mouth, you know? Mm. But to kind of help facilitate that is, it's very important and it's very Absolutely. meaningful. And if it can be meaningful to those four people at that time and they carry that with them the rest of their lives, then I feel real fucking good about that. Mm. Right? Yes. Thanks for sharing. Um, I feel like I, w- I would love to keep talking to you. We're kind of getting up. I think we've just passed the hour. So, um, 
Yeah. What do you think? This is your first podcast you've ever done, huh? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. What do you think? How, how was the experience it's for great. you? great. Well, I mean, I just forgot I was being recorded. I mean, just hanging out, yeah. running, running my mouth. You're natural. <laughs> I know. So I've always wanted to have a, my own podcast because I, well, one of my goals was to always write a book. I have all these like random funny stories that my friends are like, what? Why don't you write this down? Mm. Turns out I'm way too lazy to actually write a book. But books are tough. I'm, books I'm are trying to write one now. Right. Good it's a marathon. luck. Challenge you in ways that, like, oh. you just. It's going to yeah, be great. I feel you. I can't wait to read mm. your book. Do it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm stoked about it. I just got to wait for the right time for it to yep. come through me, right? Yep. Yep. Um, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to write me that email. I'm glad that you agreed to come on and, and, and have a conversation with me. Your story is incredible. I think, you know, first, I'd just like to share, like, how proud I am of you for stepping up and being courageous enough to listen to your heart and to go, you know, head into the unknown and, and come back to finding yourself. Thank um, you. It's just really beautiful. And I think that's going to inspire a lot of people who might be confronted with maybe the fear of the unknown to really go out there, maybe nudge them that just that little extra step to go trust that there is something out there that yeah. is greater than us, that is guiding us into the experience that we're meant to have. I hope so. I got a lot of nudges, so. <laughs> All right. That was a great conversation. I really appreciate Hillary showing up, being vulnerable, and agreeing to be on the podcast. I know that was her first podcast ever, which is really cool. Really stoked to have her on. Just huge shout out to Hillary. Um, you know, I'm so, so proud of her, and I'm proud of anybody that, you know, decides to listen to their hearts and listen to themselves and trust the universe. I truly believe that for those of us that are courageous enough to follow our hearts, the universe will guide us into the most beautiful experience we could ever imagine. And it's not easy. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of bravery and courage. But just like Hillary is finding out, when we answer that call and move through the difficult decisions it takes to answer that call, magic happens. And really excited to stay connected with Hillary. And I would love to hear your feedback on this episode. Um, if you want to support me and this podcast, please leave a rate and review the podcast. And you can always reach out to me on Instagram at joe.holly, H-A-W-L-E-Y. I'd love to hear from you. And maybe at some point, if you reach out to me, I might be able to get you on the podcast if you have a cool story and you want to share and talk about the unanswerable questions of the universe with me, yours truly, the host of this Quantum Coffee. All right. I'm done talking. Go leave a rate and review and share this with your friends. Love you all. Until next time. Peace.